Hello there, I'm Susan Bradley and welcome to the Four Modern Mothers podcast, a podcast dedicated to mothers and mothers-to-be, here to help you navigate your own unique journey through modern motherhood. In each episode, there'll be insights and wisdom. We'll be covering everything from fertility and trying to conceive to pregnancy and birth and onwards through your life as a mother. Expect conversations around subjects and issues that will support, inspire, inform, and empower you. From health and well-being, to body image, self-care, mental health, birth, pregnancy, work-life balance, relationships, the whole lot. With my specially invited guests and experts, as well as sharing my own knowledge with you. Enjoy and don't forget to subscribe too. Okay, so welcome everybody and a big welcome. I have a lovely um, guest today who is um, Deborah Niger, who is um, an independent midwife. And also she does some other things, but she's also an author, has recently written um, one of the AIMS guides, um, Giving Birth to Your Baby. Um, And we're going to talk all things... Um, well, we're going to start with independent midwives and what they are, and then we'll see where our conversation goes. Deborah is a very experienced midwife and um, has a lot of um, thoughts on things. Her Instagram um, account, oh, which I follow, is <laughs> full of um, lots of interesting information and thoughts for pregnant people and um, mothers. So um, I'll, I'll let you know that at the end. But um, welcome, Deborah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hello, nice, nice uh, to finally meet you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, in your own words, I don't know. I've just said that independent midwife author. Um, yeah. How, oh, how do you describe yourself? Because you've been doing it for such such a long time in in a good way. Let me say. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess doing it for a long time has got some good, um, uh, you know um advantages I suppose uh yeah I just I just describe myself as an independent midwife uh I'm quite proud of the independent label because it means quite a lot to me it means quite a lot to um how I practice um and why I practice the way I do um but yeah I just I I'm I'm just a midwife essentially um (laughs) I do lots of different things um but essentially they're all pretty much come under the umbrella of midwifery and for me um even sort of the stuff that I do uh, on the side like you know artwork or um you know uh you know writing stuff it's all just midwifery under the wider umbrella even if it's not clinical and practicing midwifery I suppose um you know sort of online signposting and and doing some social media stuff it's all just for me like the embodiment of midwifery um sort of education signposting um you know making people aware of the options all that stuff all Mm. that good stuff um yeah means midwifery to me really cool and how long have you um been a midwife and an independent midwife so I qualified as a midwife in 2000 I want to say yeah 2000 so I've been qualified for 22 years um and I've been an independent midwife since my first baby was born I I sort of switched to independency um independency independence um just a few weeks after he was born and he is nearly 19 so um, it's been yeah it's been 18 plus years um and yeah it's been an interesting path 
um, I have to say, <laughs> um, you know, without wanting to go into further details, but independent with free is 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 under threat constantly, and um, uh, it's it's a really tricky thing to be politically within the maternity care sector, I suppose. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's had some some tricky times, but um, it's mostly been a really really satisfying way of working, basically. Yeah, which is why I do it. Yeah. And so tell us then, because I know, but when I talk to people and they're like, what, what, is, an what, what is an independent midwife? What, what, do you, what do you mean there are midwives <laughs> who, who just aren't the, the person that I see down at my local GP surgery or in the NHS hospital or whatever? So could you, you are the best place person to yeah. explain what that so means. I guess we're midwives just like any other midwife in the UK. So we train the same way. We have the same annual requirements for updating and for, you know, professional development um, and, you know, mandatory emergency procedure updates, those sorts of things that people feel quite reassured by. Um, but for whatever reason, and I guess those reasons are individual to every single independent midwife, we have chosen to work outside of the NHS system and we don't work for another company either. So there's mm -hmm. private midwives too um, yeah. that work for a company called Private Midwives. Um, um, they're a little bit different to independent midwives again. Although lots of private midwives do seem to call themselves independent midwives, which is confusing the matter a little bit. But um, so an independent midwife is a midwife that doesn't work for another business, essentially. Um, we work for our clients, our families. Um, and that's the people that we are, um, you know, answerable to. Um, that's exclusively who we work for. For um, we still have to be accountable to our professional body, um, mm -hmm. the NMC. Um, but that that is it. That's our only tether, I guess. Um, so other than that, we're independent. So we can practice in the way that we feel is the safest and the most appropriate. Um, and for most of us, that means um, bringing a lot of time to our practice. Um, for most of us, it means that we're very much up to date with research, um, that we're very much supportive of choices, um, that we recognize that people carry and have full autonomy over their own bodies. So they can make choices that we maybe don't agree with, but that's absolutely fine. Um, you know, it, it means that we, um, we can build um, relationships with our clients. Um, you know, I, I often talk about relationship-based midwifery, and to me, that is really, really, or really, really important aspect to my practice. I like to have uh, good relationships with my clients. I like to know them well. Um, I like to spend lots of time with them. So my visits, antenatally or postnatally, are usually about two hours long. Sometimes less. Sometimes more. Depends. Um, and that sort of um, relationship, I feel, really adds to the safety of my practice because I know what's normal for people. I know what's not normal for people. Um, it, it, it's also a two-way street. So um, it's really important for me that my clients know me and that they know stuff about me. Um, and so, you know, there is a real relationship going on not just on a you know very superficial professional level but you know it is a satisfying and and positive relationship and um i think that adds a lot to uh receiving care for my clients i suppose um and particularly i suppose 
postnatally that really comes into its own um, because there's a lot of vulnerability and um, lots of feelings that people often don't want to talk about, particularly with people that they don't know very well. Um, so yeah, uh, I think I've, I've um, <laughs> just elaborated a bit too much perhaps, no, but yeah. No. Um, I think that's that, really that's a really important bit to me the relationship-based aspect of my practice I guess um, yeah and I think that is you know when um I see people and they have had a midwife appointment and they go oh yeah I was in and out in 10 minutes uh, uh, and and before I knew it, I had questions and didn't have time to ask them and I don't know no, how it's possible to do a midwifery appointment in 10-15 minutes I I no truly don't know no um, most basic things yeah exactly and it literally is almost like to, oh I've measured this and I've done that and then but not, not sometimes not even how are you you know that question didn't seem to even well I think how can that be I think it's tricky because the NHS midwives are in such a pickle right now they have such yeah. a high caseload they're so short-staffed yeah I haven't got the time to even ask them because you know what they might tell you something that would lead to something that takes a lot of time yeah yeah. And there isn't the time. No. Um, and that must be incredibly frustrating for them too. All I know it is because I, yeah. I you know, I'm friends with us of an adjustment folks, and I, I, I do know that that uh, really upsets them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's relatively little they can do about it. Um, and it doesn't lead to the most satisfying care experience for people generally. So No. So on both sides, everyone's just everyone's frustrated, I think. Frustrated yeah. and not yeah. not getting. Yeah. And there's yeah. there is, you know, like the idea of the relationship between um yeah. the midwife and 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 the per and, and the woman, the person, you know, is having the baby. It's just like and sometimes people are quite surprised when they go, oh, what you said my community midwife, they won't be the person there when I'm in labor. And it's like, well, they might be, but it's really quite unlikely. And well, who will it be? Well, you won't know till, till and, and all of that. And that's quite mind blowing for people who maybe maybe their reference point is like call the midwife or something off the TV, yeah. you know, when you when you don't have a real or, or a story from maybe um, from their mother or, you know, previous generations when it was in the community and I know that Absolutely. my other half um <clears throat> he was born at home his brother was born at home the midwife um was there for both those births and for his cousins and then when his eldest cousin had a baby same midwife you mm -hmm. know, all, I mean how what a lovely thing for for them yeah. but also for that midwife to be Absolutely. out in the community and see that whole family and then the next generation come through and that now must be I can't imagine it, it within the system how it now is set up within the NHS system I can't it's imagine quite rare. I think it, it it did used to happen quite a bit and I think it's got the potential to happen again now that yeah. um, lots of trusts are implementing some continuity programs yes. where you know you see a midwife through a pregnancy or one midwife or one of a small group of midwives mm. pending and then you might see that person in labor again and then you see them postnatally again um but due to short staffing and general pressures on the system it's not implemented as quickly as as maybe it it, it could have been otherwise if we hadn't yeah. had um a pandemic i suppose yes um you know that small matter of, of um, the pandemic. The ongoing, um, so, yeah. you know we are we are a little bit behind at the moment um 
so yeah I guess one thing I didn't mention is that I currently or independent midwives full stop currently um, unless they have a collaboration with an NHS trust going on somewhere um, can't attend births because of insurance yeah. issues that have been ongoing for many many years we've sort of managed to wangle our way uh, through those issues for many years but for the last two years we we haven't been able to um, access uh, birth indemnity um, I'm not going to go into the details. It's far too complicated. Um, it's not because we've had too many claims or we we work unsafely. It's yeah. it's largely political um, and uh, insurance cost um, related. Um, but you know, watch the space. We might um, get indemnity again at some point. Who knows? Let's hope um, so. But yeah, yeah I'd throw that in. Yeah, um, it's really important, isn't it? People go, oh, that sounds like a great idea, and then and then they go, well, hang on, but that at the moment. You, you can't, you know, the antenatal support and the postnatal, but you're not physically because of this, like you say, insurance indemnity. Yeah, incredibly frustrating mm. <laughs> because it so feels like you, you are sort of, you know, setting people loose in a system that's that that makes them quite vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, you just do the wraparound, you know, the antenatal, the postnatal. Um, but to be honest, it's been it's been pretty good in the last two years. It's worked really well. Um, yeah. And, you know, so that's been that's been a positive. And I know my clients have still appreciated me a lot. So, yes, um, yes. <clears throat> so it's not it's just that just just that birth bit, just that bit in the middle. It's but such an important bit, though, isn't it? Of course, it's, it is. um, you know, yeah. so, yeah, it's. Uh, it pains me but um you know here we are yeah but <laughs> yeah but hopefully that will change but it does mean hopefully that at something. this yeah fingers crossed at this moment that you, you can still provide that antenatal support those like you say those much longer appointments much more um in-depth much more Absolutely. having discussion yeah 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 lots of talking through choices yes and then personally that switches to a to more of an emotional support you know talking through um you know how adjustment to um to parenthood is going for everybody in the family you know that includes siblings dads um you know partners um everybody really uh, you mm. know there's a family family-based sort of care provision um yeah which is you know again a really positive thing for siblings often um you know um, the bigger ones because they can chat with me and the smaller ones because um, you know they get to know me and um, you know we often do some books we often you know play there's lots of chat lots of helping with um, yeah. you know particularly antenatally listening to the baby in in the belly and um, uh, all that stuff that they can help with and that they can be involved with and it's really lovely to see them you know look forward to midwife visits um, yes so yeah it's that's a that's a part that I really really like as well and that must just be that, that's just setting there isn't it at such an early level for those children yeah, such absolutely. a positive thing moving forward in their lives about yep. midwifery and about care and about babies and families and and all of that that's what you you know because obviously children being so impressionable and their understanding sponges. yeah <laughs> would be but but the stuff that you know you don't get taught any of that stuff at school so where if you haven't experienced it I remember my experience of my younger sibling my mum disappearing off to a hospital and I don't know how long later number of days later I was all going in the car to get my sister and my mum back from the hospital that mm -hmm. is my earliest memory of 
two years old and I remember specifically classic I guess older sibling was can we just get my mum not 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 that baby sister not the baby maybe just no, leave the baby behind. just leave that I'll just get <laughs> mummy back you know but but you went so my in my head you know was go to a hospital and you arrive back with the baby that was my yeah. childhood understanding mm-hmm. of what birth was so the midwife never came to the house and, and all of those things so what what a, what a positive um yeah definitely definitely I think it's 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 just about you know include being included into the into the process um and although for I guess for little ones you know particularly two three yeah um adding a baby to the family is still a pretty abstract thing and as much as you try to prepare them antenatally um it still is pretty abstract they don't quite know what's coming really no um so you can only do what you can do um and inclusion into the process of you know pregnancy care and um caring for the baby in utero um that's a really lovely thing to to you know add to or to reading books and you know all the stuff that you do as a family to prepare um but it's a really nice aspect to add i think um yeah, Definitely. I think it makes a difference. Yeah. And certainly the, you know, the I think the like you saying, the postnatal support, mm. because um it's something that people maybe, you know, they 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 know they get pregnant, they're gonna go to the midwife, they're gonna see the midwife, they're gonna have a baby in some place, whether that's home, hospital, birth center, and then often the thinking stops there. And, 100%. And, and, the, and then the support kind of also yeah. stops there. I know we have health visitors, but they are more for the baby not the person and the famp who's had the baby and the partner who's and and it's just this you don't see them very nothing. much now anyway you know you might see them at what a couple of weeks and then oftentimes um you know again at six weeks and then um or you know around that time and yeah. then again at i don't know nine months currently it is in many places so they're not a constant support um no. post-birth no um, you know, unfortunately, postnatal care is not very well funded in this country. So generally, people can expect either, you know, a visit on a visit or phone call on day three, maybe. Um, if that, you definitely have a contact on day five. And that's because um, the neonatal blood spot screening, um, you know, the metabolic um, disease screening uh, yeah. uh, is done on day five, generally. And, and that's often also when the first um, weigh-in is offered. Um, and so uh, for many people, the only face-to-face contact with another healthcare professional, and, and usually it's a midwife, not always actually, um, is day five. And then if everything appears to be marginally okay in many trusts, then it's, you know, day 10 discharge the health officer. And that might not be a visit, it might just be a phone call. Wow. Um, many trusts are better and there's a little bit more contact, but certainly not beyond, you know, three, four visits. Um, again, some trusts are better if they have got continuity provision and a little bit more um, discretion for their midwives to be able to visit longer and more if there's particular issues. Yeah. Um, but in my experience, the issues have to be fairly dire to to um, trigger more visiting, unfortunately. So, um, so yeah, I, I feel really privileged that I can I can offer something very very different. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, my visiting is usually um, daily for the first week, um, then every other day for a week, um, then twice a week for a week, and then as and when needed. Um, And that's usually, you know, weekly or maybe a couple of times a week. It depends what's going on. Sometimes it goes back to daily for a little while if there's Mm. something going on, you know. Um, And then I don't tend to discharge people until, you know, 
the eight week mark, um, sometimes longer, very rarely um, sooner than that. Um, and yeah, I, I tend to find that people need that, um, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's rare that people go like, do you know what? Actually, I'm okay. I don't really need um, your visits anymore, you know, because I guess also by that point, we've built a relationship and it's really quite nice to pop around and have a cup of tea and, yeah. you know, um, just chat about uh, what's happening in, in, you know, in the family, what's happening with the baby, what's happening with the sibling, particularly when it's second babies, third, fourth, fifth babies. It's how the other children are adapting. Um, yeah. you know particularly if it's a second baby because it's the first time another sibling is getting added into the family it really focuses on the second um the first um child you know yeah. how they're adapting how they're behaving you know what are they struggling with um all that stuff um and yeah changing a family dynamics the whole concept of matrescence you know becoming yeah. a, a a mother parent you know um and the, the massive transition that goes hand in hand with that, you know, there's a lot of love and a lot of joy when a new baby comes. There's also a lot of not so positive stuff, you know, yeah. there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of um, frustration, there's a lot of anger often, yeah. um, you know, sleep deprivation, um, pain. Uh, oftentimes you know if you've had some perineal trauma if you've had a cesarean section if you're just healing from you know a straightforward birth you know there usually is some discomfort yeah um, and the combination of all of that can be a right old model yeah I mean <laughs> you know? yeah all of that you know the physical physical stress your body's trying to heal yeah, yeah, not yeah, sleeping so maybe you know if you're not eating well on top of that you've got other children to care you know how yeah. that load to give to anybody and you've got to then care for a very helpless human being as well yeah. Yeah. and we go oh well, I might give you a phone call or see yeah, you on just, day 10, and, for 10 minutes. <laughs> you're, you're, and then you and so you're setting someone up to tell your society is telling you the, the medical system is telling you that's it now you're on your own you should be able to do this yeah, and, and so you, you go. This. I should be able to do this. Absolutely, you have to do this in the con context of postnatal depletion. You've literally just made a human from scratch in your own body, and then yeah. expelled it yeah. in one way or another. You know, that's your baseline you're starting from. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's all that. So yes, you know, I we know. just don't. We no. just trivialize that transition um, hugely. And God, the the, you know the. Uh, the upset and the feeling of inadequacy and yeah. the you know what am I doing wrong why am I feeling like this yeah you know it's just immense. what's wrong with me what's wrong Absolutely. with me Every, everyone ever looks on Instagram everyone else is, is, is great everyone else is getting on with it everyone else is back in their jeans it's like no they're not everyone else is head in hands going how do we do this yeah. uh, but yeah. nobody's the, the support but, and for some people the, the postnatal period is relatively straightforward and easy and and that's great you know perfect um but for some people it really isn't and it's hard it's a slog and it's you know they need all the support that they can get and that's okay too and that's completely appropriate and understandable yeah and then you know that's even without accepting that for some people postnatal the postnatal time is a period of you know um deteriorating mental health potentially yeah um and physical health so yeah I think we just 
we do not care for our newly um, hatched mothers, uh, parents very well, um, no. unfortunately. No. Um, and I, I, I really want to do better um, for them, um, yeah. which is why I work the way I do. Absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. And it, and by that existing, by what you offer existing, um, it's an acknowledgement, isn't it? It's an acknowledgement mm. that you're not supposed to, we're not supposed to do it as a single isolated unit as a maybe a mum on their own or a mum and a dad or a mum and a partner or whatever and maybe some people grandparents or friends occasionally diving in we are designed as humans to live in big tribes of people and the support network is right there when you need it and we don't live like that so fine we don't live like that but but to acknowledge that therefore how we do live makes it extraordinarily difficult and that asking for help is normal and is okay and people are Ooh, like but it's I... not something that most people feel comfortable doing at no. all and they're not used to oh, doing it no it's, it's weak it's weak you know it's no, that whole it's everything's you know so it's diff it is difficult to unlearn what you spent your whole life getting on with it doing the thing being independent being a strong woman mm-hmm. and now you're just a going <laughs> what do I you know blah, blah. yeah it's yeah. like the words are sticking in your throat Go it's to- much easier to just crack on with it and um, pretend yeah. everything is just fine than yeah. to go actually could someone just help me I'm drowning yeah or someone offers you help no I'm fine and it's okay. like yeah. just take the help even if you don't yeah. really need it just take it just say yes please yeah, please yeah. come yeah. around bring me bring me a cup of tea bring some black whatever just say yes because the person who's offering the help really wants to help so you're yes also making them feel good because they've helped you and really. you're giving yourself you know it works for everybody doesn't it it does I think it does um but yeah that I think people find that really really difficult to um yeah. you know ask for and then also accept help yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. there's a lot to unpick isn't there there really? is a lot to unpick and there's uh, a lot to unpick gosh a l- yeah and a lot to learn, a lot to unlearn, learn and unlearn, you know, yep. as yep. what I we have been. Unlearning is probably bigger than the learning, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, just what I mean, when, you know, I think if you, like, if you, when you're pregnant, if you've not had a baby, you sort of, it's really hard. You can't possibly, I don't think, understand what it's like. But yeah. if you had had a baby and then <laughs> were pregnant again, hearing this would be like, oh my goodness, someone could be there for up to eight weeks and just call in and do this. Suddenly that must boom, head explodes. I think particularly if you felt the lack of support previously, um, I think if you've not had that support before, if you've never had a baby before, um, I think people usually have a really, really big mental block about the postnatal period. Um, There's just very little acknowledgement that that might be quite tricky. Um, I think we think about oh yeah there'll be some sleep deprivation and you know um, we'll have a we'll have a little baby and the logistics of that um, are usually as far as it goes Um, but there's just so much more um, to unpick with that you know there's the new family dynamics the new dynamics with your partner Um, you know that's that's a massive thing you know uh, expectations versus reality um you know the vulnerability you might feel when you've just had a baby and you just you know you have lots of anxieties about what is normal what is not normal you know feeding is often interesting or takes more 
time or takes more proactivity in terms of getting support than you might have thought so there's just so much stuff yeah um and while I guess I'm always sort of really conscious of sounding quite negative uh when trying to prepare people for the postnatal period um but uh, I think it's really important that people have realistic expectations yeah um yeah and I'd probably rather be a little bit too negative than too positive but then I'm a glass half empty person so (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where to pick the you know where to where to put the how to balance it out but um yeah it's hard isn't it like you say people aren't people sort of aren't really listening and and you don't want them to go what oh my oh gosh what, what have I what have I done <laughs> and then be, opted into yeah and then yeah. of course there's stress and worry and we don't want people to be stressed and worried when they're pregnant no, about something no, no, no. that has or hasn't happened but you like you say realistic expectations yeah. and then if things aren't going great if they're where to get that help the signposting to exactly. the support that is that is there often some within the NHS but there is a lot of like you know feeding support breastfeeding support etc external to the NHS but you've Absolutely. got to know it's there to we access do. it is the thing isn't it and that's do. and I think it's just figuring out what what is potentially the most acute thing for you as a person um yeah. you know if, if you if you're choosing to bottle feed then perhaps you don't have to think so much about feeding support because almost certainly that will be a relatively straightforward thing um you know if you've had pre-existing mental health issues then you might just want to think about the support that you can access for that because again the nhs is not currently able to help um very much if um you are you know at risk of low mood or mental health um issues you know unless you are in dire straits and possibly suicidal there is little that they're offering right now other than perhaps an IAP referral, um, which is sort of, uh, you know, uh, online counselling currently, which mm. times is really impractical when you've just had a new baby um, and not all yeah. that effective, let's face it, um, for most people. So, um, yeah, just just sort of having a think about your own context um, of what's going on and then, you know, gathering stuff that or gathering contacts, gathering, uh, you know, resources that you might need for the postnatal time. Um, Yeah. You know, practical stuff or, you know, online stuff or, um, you know, just lining up people that can help, that you can call. Um, Yeah. So I think that goes a long way. um, Definitely. Yeah. 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 Planning that plan not planning at the time because you don't know exactly how it will be but planning the resources and, and, exactly. and knowing and where to get this where to go. having a little black book these are the people who might be able to help in this and those are the people and these are the people I might call and you know and your partner if you have a partner to, mm-hmm. to do that and know that too because you know they can feel really helpless but also you need someone who can help you with that information be on board with it as well and remind you that now might be the time to call that person yeah Um, because again you know we've talked about it haven't we asking for help is really hard yeah um and oftentimes you know um people don't want to be a bother people don't want to reach out because maybe it's really not that bad 
um it's a very British thing (laughs) I'm German so I'm like what you know just (laughs) just ask for help (laughs) in Germany that would be a much more straightforward thing interesting Um, yeah it's a very very British thing to not want to be a bother yeah yeah maybe not um yeah it's a stiff upper lip thing um, yeah maybe yeah I mean, it's a bit cliche isn't it but it, it is know, but it, to an extent yeah yeah um, absolutely it yeah, is so yeah unlearning yeah again unlearning yeah definitely that's that's a big big unlearning that needs to happen yeah absolutely I and mean, then happen but you know for ease it would be nice if it could happen <laughs> yes yeah not so straightforward but yeah. um but not still small steps small steps small will, steps, will steps, get you there steps. yeah definitely and can I ask you also about um the book that you recently um wrote um for AIMS um Association for Improvements in Midwifery Services um giving birth to your baby so um how did that how did that come about well I think um it was just at the start of the pandemic where um I was contacted by AIMS to see if I wanted to write it and I said all right then (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it was um it was to replace their book about um the second stage of labor Mm -hmm. Um, I realized now that we've chosen the title that perhaps the title is a little bit misleading but it is a book about the second stage of labor essentially yeah yeah um the you know the expelling of the baby yeah um via the vagina it's not about their sections Mm -hmm. it is about um expelling your baby um and I guess it's always been a, a, a you know a subject I've been quite um, interested in and it's there's a lot to say about it um yeah seeing as you know you can fill a book apparently <laughs> about yeah. it um, yeah. so yeah I just sort of cracked on in lockdown and um and and wrote it um which was interesting um quite fun yeah um and yeah so I'm quite pleased with it um I'm quite proud of it as well um so yeah yeah available no no available exactly (laughs) yes yes oh in in my head I'm I'm holding up a copy we're we're doing this on zoom so we can see each other it's unhelpful for the podcast because no one can see me holding it up clearly I will put it in the show notes for sure (laughs) I think it is quite good and um I think it's an interesting read if you if you're about yeah, to have a baby. Um, and certainly informative. Um, so and and I hope that it it is quite nuanced in um, that it sort of goes into all the normal bits because of course it's completely normal to expel a baby. Yeah. Um, but for various reasons and for um you know not necessarily physiological reasons but reasons to do with how we deliver maternity care or um, gestational care right now um it has made a lot harder for us to um expel our babies um you know so i go into that a fair bit um but also at the context of you know it is currently harder to do this and so sometimes help is needed so all the bits that are in place that can help us um birth our babies um is also in there so it talks about instrumental birth and about perineal tearing and about um you know epidurals different types of pain relief um and how they can help and hinder and um so yeah i hope i i sort of struck the balance of uh talking about normal physiology but also about how things can go 
if normal physiology is is not working for whatever reason yeah um and what the alternatives are basically yeah and what I what I thought was really interesting one of the lines that I wrote down from the book was um there is a huge variation in what is normal oh gosh yeah (laughs) And, and that you know because because if you um maybe headed some to some maternity guidelines from a hospital then you perhaps you know their their definition of normal is is quite narrow shall we say um but normal for each individual human and each individual human baby is quite wide and and normal is quite tricky anyway isn't it because Mm. normal is what is the most common really yeah um the most common currently is having your baby sitting on the bed with an epidural in place um and that's fine if if that's what what is chosen and that's what was most appropriate um at the time that's great um and and that is relatively normal currently in this in the context of this country uh you know uh and many other countries also um but you know i tend to talk about um physiology and what is um physiological for humans yeah Um, and that is very different to what is normal currently um so yeah i think that's where the the issue with um normal lies um that our normal is now something very different to what is physiologically um common i guess (laughs) yeah and therefore our expectations are so hugely different to different to what they perhaps used to be or what they maybe ought to be to give us a better chance of birthing normally and with the least trauma possible yeah Um, I think it would go a long way if we had an adjustment of what we consider to be normal yeah Um, but I mean that's a really tricky thing to unpick isn't it Um, yeah and to to actually improve because you know we are all bound in many ways to give birth in this current system um and this system comes with flaws and with ways to you know manage an inverted commerce um birth yeah that it's quite difficult to um to support oneself to um have the most straightforward birth possible um you know so yeah, yeah that's that's the difficulty that we we are sort of birthing against um are we birthing in a system, a system that is not supportive of straightforward birth? It, it just isn't, um, no. you know, because of uh, routine interventions, because of the, like you were saying, the classification of what's normal um, and what can be left to just happen as it does and what needs to be intervened with um, mm. to, to channel it down a path that is considered to be the safest and most appropriate one for that clinical situation so um yeah that makes it really difficult to actually be assertive about um birthing physiologically if that's what if that's the choice yeah everyone wants to do that and that's absolutely fine um but actually most people would quite like a straightforward birth thank you (laughs) yeah um some people might choose a, a elective cesarean. Yeah. Um, some people absolutely definitely want an epidural um, and really don't mind beyond the epidural of what happens as long as they are relatively pain-free. That's that's fine. Um, 
but I think most people would quite like a straightforward birth without too much intervention. Thank you very much. Um, because A, it's it seems to be the most um, the most, I guess for most people, the most satisfying way to have a baby. Um, and also the way to have a baby that is likely to lead to the least amount of trauma. Mm -hmm. And by trauma, I mean, um, you know, damage to your body, I guess. Yes. Um, you know, less perineal damage, less yeah. um, damage from interventions, um, you know, even less chance to say, have a cannula fitted, um, you know, a little, a little needle in the back of your hand that you often get fitted prophylactically um, when you're in labor. Um, just little things like that. It's just the most um, straightforward, least interventionist route. Um, yeah. And so that is quite desirable to people generally, but it is quite hard to stay on that route. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when the expectation is and, and, and the management of the system is that, that there will be some help required. Yeah, well, yeah. And of course, then the knock-on the knock on effects that has not just for the, the birthing person, the, like you said, the physical, the emotional trauma, but, but for the, the act of birth and then the postnatal period, also for the baby and the bonding and the feeding and all of those things, there is inevitably we've 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 got involved with something we've messed with something that that was designed to work in a certain beautiful physiological way and anything that interrupts that it interrupts all sorts of other processes to a greater or lesser extent so it's not Absolutely. just yeah. it's ongoing potentially isn't it in ways Absolutely. that we we don't fully know um yeah you know. And very little in maternity care is neutral. So everything yeah. does tend to have a knock-on effect um, or a potential knock-on effect. Mm. It doesn't necessarily always have that knock-on effect. It just sort of increases the chances of, you know, for example, syntocin on the drug that we give to people to strengthen their contractions and to augment their labor um, also potentially leads to higher rates of postnatal depression, um, you know, but we don't tend to tell people that. Um, so, yeah, it's just the the potential for disruption of a process that works perfectly fine thank you very much um yeah that then changes the experience um in the long term not just in yeah. the in the very very short term while it's yeah. happening um and i think that's the stuff that we don't tend to talk about with people um, no no that they're not fully <laughs> it's informed not might, you know and to be fair if people do talk to you about that it takes a lot of time and it makes making choices a lot harder for people. Yeah. Uh, and some people don't like that um, because actually it's much easier to not have to think about choices too much in many yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have to give people credit. People can make choices and they can do hard decision making. Um, you know, quite yes. frankly, if you're just about to become a parent, then you've got a lot of decision making to come your way. So you might as yeah. well start in pregnancy. Um, but it is quite a scary concept, I think, to start taking responsibility for decisions um, that seem so big at the time. Um, yeah, that's a that's a tricky thing. It is. Yeah. But just yeah, like you say, but just because it's difficult um I might be uncomfortable with some people mm, and it doesn't scary. mean that you don't give them the option you know that isn't a good you know a good enough reason but yeah maybe not all of the 
the risks are put forward in the same way that maybe some of the the benefits to the things that are offered up a put um it's it's hard yeah like you say it's hard but then you know parent, mother, mothering parenthood yeah. is hard you know it's just one of those things that doesn't tend to get all that much easier it just changes over time um yeah I mean, my babies are no older they're 14 and nearly 19 so um you know but it's still hard in different ways different ways yes um, yeah but it's still hard not as acutely hard no not as all consumingly not as all consuming very different a much more doable hard I feel yeah um yeah but you know still still challenging yeah but it but without the physical exhaustion that tends to make everything a lot harder (laughs) yeah when they're little you know yes Um, the 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 relent the relentlessness the physicality of it the physicality of it you know the yeah that's uh, a time that um yeah is is a is a challenge i do not wish to go back to it <laughs> i've done my bit now thank you yeah 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 it's you know and it, that's not acknowledged either is it you know i i remember a long time before i had babies seeing like friends having babies and off on maternity leave and you go around and visit them and their baby go oh this is lovely isn't it they've got six months nine months i don't know year off work they've just got to look after this baby that looks oh i work i work so hard i do this i do that you know not having a clue not having a clue about how hard you know mothering is and and how society just views it in that way of because mm-hmm. you're not contributing financially oh, then yeah. I, I mean you know, that. <laughs> but, it, but it's just you you just can't possibly know before you're in it like you were saying yeah. you try and tell people about planning the fourth trimester and like this and that because it's so hard when you're so sleep deprived and, and all the rest but mm-hmm. But, you're but also, I mean, you know, just to counter that a little bit, though, um, as well, <laughs> it's also bloody amazing, oh, though, gosh. isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. you look at this thing that you yeah. have made yourself literally yes. in your own body. Yes. And yes. And they're a, they're a whole human. They're just a little tiny person yeah. that, you know, particularly in the first six weeks, the first three months, the changes that you see in your baby in those in those three three four months oh let's go with the first six months they're just immense yeah. and yes. they're just absolutely incredibly amazing to watch you yeah. know first you know they're like these little potatoes that don't really do a whole lot you know they're just you know they yeah. need feeding and they, they yell now and then and, and you know you have to do everything for them and then suddenly they start smiling into you and they start yes. communicating back and then they start moving like with purpose yes. um you know yes oh yeah the love that's you know oftentimes not always you know is suddenly there like I say not always because that's that's something that people struggle with a lot as well you mm. know like that humongous rush of love and then actually it's not there and it takes quite some time to develop and that's normal too um but you know the the amazing moments that you have with your baby you know amongst the tiredness and yeah the other feelings that are not so great um you know the satisfaction that you feel when you can see that your baby is you know developing or you know <laughs> I always felt the happiest when my babies were asleep and I could look at them <laughs> Yes, just gazing at a sleeping you know, baby. Just that is. sleep gazing, you just think, oh God. Yeah. I mean, A, thank God they're asleep for a little bit now. Um, and I can, you know, do something maybe. Um, but also just 
it's just the most amazing thing looking yeah. at your little tiny person asleep yeah. you know happy asleep and um yeah I, yeah yeah there's a lot of a lot of amazing positive joyful uh you know accomplished proud moments too um yeah just um, awe just in awe of this human awe. like you say yeah. that you've made yeah. in your body and that and that is there and that you're somehow managing to keep alive although half the time yeah, you're not but yeah, doing it but it, yeah it's just that it's just like it's like a it's like the best ever science experiment in the world happening right there in your home mm-hmm. in your arms that is yeah. unique you know it's a unique human you it's different to everyone else's baby you're but yeah and, and they that. have a personality and they're yes. so different from all the other little tiny humans and yeah. you know it's it's um you know thank god there is also that not just the yes you know exhaustion and the and the tricky moments and all that so Absolutely. you know if we didn't have that balance we'd never have another baby would we really um <laughs> so yeah it's, totally. it's a, but that but that makes it such a challenging thing because there's such a um ambiguousness of emotions often um and so yeah it's a bit of a yeah uh, I don't want to swear but yeah I usually say it's a bit of a um yeah I won't say the word ahead ahead something <laughs> ahead something yeah yes. that's the word I'm thinking <laughs> of too I often mm. use that with my clients and yeah. they usually go yeah totally is <laughs> yeah complete totally. every it's like okay. everything has just been thrown up in the air everything yeah. every emotion yeah. every yeah. physical yeah. thing everything you knew about life and humanity has gone boom and then it's all sort yeah. of scattered around you somewhere yeah. and yeah it's and all the existential uh, thoughts that you suddenly have and um yeah. you know what if something happens to me and all that yeah. you know, it's just insane isn't it it's everything isn't it? just riding these waves and just yeah like, it is it's riding the waves yeah it really really is it's um yeah gosh <laughs> but what an honor I mean that's the other thing isn't it what an honor to be able to be a parent and oh, to absolutely do that you know it's, uh-huh. it's you know always I remember as a a, t- a teenager or whatever having I don't know sort of random conversation in a, in a geography lesson once about um about marriage and children no idea what this had to do with geography but um being very clear that a I didn't want to get married I'm not married but b I definitely wanted to have a baby uh, so these were the things that I knew from that age you know but but that because how amazing to be almost in a very selfish way to be able to have another human growing inside your body that just blew my mind you know and it still blows my mind yeah it does I mean it still blows my mind completely um you know when I see someone pregnant and suddenly I see them with a baby that's just insane Um, but also it's the most trivial process ever yeah it's just that's what happens you know it's the most normal thing that's literally what we're there for as humans yes so again it's this ambiguousness you know amazing but also like so normal everyone does yeah. it you know most everyone does it so okay. otherwise <laughs> we wouldn't be here experience yeah. it's a deeply deeply completely individual one yeah but also universal but also individual so it's just yeah, yeah. it's just a weird thing isn't it it is it is yeah and that's why that you know the whole idea of all the research and all the science which is amazing that we 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 know things and we can predict perhaps some of the things and and that's important but that whole reliance on that set of knowledge that we lose that nuance that it is unique every time yeah I guess I I guess all the research is just it's just another tool to give us more Mm. information to shape our own way of going about this whole parent yeah parent malarkey 
um, yeah, it just adds a bit more information for us to make our own decisions, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, quite grateful that there is quite a lot of research, but yeah, it can also sometimes be quite counter counterintuitive yeah. um, and counteract our instincts, I suppose, and that that can be a tricky thing to navigate because generally you know our instincts are really really powerful when it comes to parenting um, yeah and we usually know what the right thing is to do I think um if we allow ourselves to you know trust ourselves yeah um, but that's another thing that's quite tricky for um, many people you know trusting trusting your instinct is not something that comes naturally anymore no um because I guess what our instincts tell us is now quite different to what mainstream parenting narrative often tells us to do. Um, you know, things like, you know, maybe bed sharing uh, or, you know, maybe tending to your crying baby at all times when they cry, you know. Um, yeah, there's so many things that, that, you know, where we now have to navigate the gap between, you know, the mainstream narrative and what actually um is physiologically normal and normally what physiologically is normal is is the thing that our instinct tells us to do yeah um so yeah but but that can be really tricky for people to navigate i think yeah especially if they're getting <clears throat> information maybe intergenerational sometimes information of well well I think it was good enough for you you know mother mother-in-law yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever well that's what <laughs> I did we did this and we did it like that and it's like it's so it can be hard to go against that because really that person really then feels that you are oh, yeah it's a line to tread isn't that when it's you're also really, really tired sleep uh, deprived etc oh gosh yeah yeah absolutely it's yeah a very interesting line to tread sometimes <laughs> Yeah. but trust your gut your gut yeah. is normally right yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's wrong it's probably wrong so, yeah you know. absolutely absolutely yeah absolutely it's it's yeah thank you very much for your information <laughs> then go off and do the thing that you were <laughs> wanting to do yourself yeah 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 exactly. totally oh amazing can I ask you Deborah mm. one um one last question yes um which is um and maybe you've already answered it but I know it's quite hard to pick one if there was one thing that you wish every um, mother, mother-to-be, parent-to-be knew or, or had that piece of information, what would that like one golden nugget be? Oh, God. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> if I find the golden nugget, I yeah, yeah. could make quite a lot of money from that. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't think there is a golden nugget. I think... Oh. I think in many ways, um, it, you know, something that's valid for, for both pregnancy, birth and um, postnatal, uh, the postnatal time is probably, um, you know, build your team, like get yourself the people that are going to give you the support that you need. And that can either be family or it can be friends or it can be a partner or it can be, you know, it can be an independent midwife or it can be a doula or it can be a lactation consultant or it can be you know a meal delivery service or you know whatever it is that you feel like might give you the support and um you know would would support you either practically or 
emotionally or clinically, you know, for some people, um, try to build a team that can do that for you. And, you know, I'm really aware that, of course, not everyone can do that because, you know, optimal team building often also relies on adequate finances. And, yeah. and that's entirely wrong and shouldn't be like that, but it is, um, you know. There is, however, also quite a lot of free support if you look around, if you, yeah. you know, things like treasure chest, um, you know, um, uh, mental health support um, can be free, limited, but there can be some good resources. Um, but yeah, build your team, find your support network that you need. It's going to be completely individual to each different person um, because different people need different things. Um, but don't feel like you just need to crack on with it all by yourself. Um, you know, if you need more information in pregnancy, there's a wealth of information out there. You know, curate your feed on your on your social medias. You know, there's vast amounts of excellent information, absolutely free, um, all around Instagram, all around Facebook, all around whatever else there is, you know, even TikTok these days. Um, you just have to be careful what you choose, I guess, yeah. to an extent. Um, but again, I think your gut's probably going to tell you what's what's right and what's not right for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's that's the one big thing: just building a, a structure around you that can support you through that really vulnerable um, experience. It's 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 again, it's it's this. Um, you know, you're incredibly vulnerable, but you're also incredibly strong mm. um, because suddenly you're stepping into your power or you yeah. can step into your power if you let yourself during pregnancy and during birth and during the postnatal time, you suddenly um, become really, really strong because you've got another person to love and support um, and protect. Um, and that's a really, really strong motivator for you know putting on your your big pants basically and getting on with it um yeah. and being protective and being strong and making the right choices for yourself and your family um so it's it's a time of huge vulnerability but also immense strength um but it does help if you have a team around you that can support you in those vulnerable times and vulnerable moments so i think that's that's the biggest um the biggest thing but also um the other nugget is trust yourself you know, tr trust your gut because um, particularly in pregnancy and during birth, we are really tuned into ourselves in many ways, physiologically, because yeah. of different hormones um, and hormone levels and, um, you know, having the awareness that there's another person within us. Um, so I think we, we can really trust ourselves. Um, you know, not blind trust. I mean, blind trust is never good. Um, but trust you know just the mm. feeling that actually i have it in me to know what is right and you know most people you know complement that that knowledge with um with more information you know looking at the research looking at good yeah. quality resources you know most people do that um but ultimately we do know what's right for ourselves if we trust ourselves and our gut um and yeah i think that's another really important thing build your team and trust yourself mm brilliant build your team trust yourself amazing mm -hmm. 
That, yeah, that makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. <laughs> makes of course. Sense. Of course. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And where, uh, websites, Instagram handle, all of that thing, where can people find you? So I have a website, which is um, www.debsnigerindependentmidwife.co.uk. Um, and then my Instagram handle is Debsagos, um, and that's D-E-B-S-A-G-O-S. Um, and then my um, Facebook is just my name. Um, but yeah, lots of um, lots of places that people can follow me, and I have lots of ranting and lots of information giving and lots of signposting on yes. my um, on my social media. Um, and uh, yeah, I also do sort of birth art and um, and birthy uh merchandise um, yes or birth workers and stuff so um yeah there's quite a lot of stuff on my on my feed that um, might be interesting to different different people I guess yeah no really cool yeah the screen prints that you do the handmade screen prints are really <laughs> it's cool. just my tiny little side hustle that yeah. I just enjoy doing <laughs> I know I love it and they're all um, you hand cut don't you the all the yeah I hand cut all my screen prints and yeah. um yeah it's just uh just I just enjoy doing it it's my little creative yeah I've let out <laughs> fabulous um, yeah. yeah I yeah I would definitely definitely encourage people to um take a look at Deborah's work follow her feeds um there's always so much really interesting thought-provoking um information on there so I think it's um a really good one to follow um absolutely so thank you and thank you for thank you for being here it's been really it's been really good thank you so much for sharing your immense um knowledge and wisdom and thoughts (laughs) it was just a very large rant about (laughs) postnatal care provision and the lack of lack of thereof we got ranty I thought we were very restrained (laughs) but thank you amazing no worries anytime it was uh, lovely to talk to you and finally meet you so yeah yeah thank you you for listening it's great to have you here and i really do appreciate your support too i hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have then please don't forget to subscribe and if you could leave a review or share with other mothers and mothers-to-be that you know well i'd be eternally grateful you can join me as well on my online platform at www.formodernmothers.com where you'll find show notes and lots more goodness and resources all about thriving and making your own unique path as a mother in the modern world as well as details of all my programs online courses my classes and coaching packages too and do follow me over on instagram too at four modern mothers or on facebook and be part of my social community i'd love to connect with you there take care amazing woman